Hello and welcome to the American Society of Regional Anesthesia, Regional Anesthesia and Pain Podcast as a wrap. I'm your host, Raj Gupta, and we're going to be talking today about the upcoming ASRA Fall Annual Meeting in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's going to be in November, November 10th through the 11th. And I want to give you a little sneak preview of some of the amazing workshops, sessions, experiences at this meeting and why you should make sure to make time to attend. Now, our fall meeting is focused on uh, chronic pain management, but there's also so much more than just that. So, uh, stay tuned, and I've got the uh, program chair of the meeting with me, and who better to talk about this meeting than him, so I'm going to bring him on. Uh, welcome, Alexius. How are you? I'm good, Raj. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So why don't you introduce yourself real quickly, because some people might not recognize you. You come from a little bit different background from most of the anesthesiologists that have been part of uh, the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine, but we're bringing in... Uh, uh, voices from other parts of pain medicine. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, thank you. So I, uh, Alexios Karanopoulos, I'm a physiatrist and uh, pain medicine subspecialist. Um, I'm a professor at uh, Brown University Medical School, and um, I've uh, completed training uh, in PMNR and pain medicine, really within the guise of a, of a interdisciplinary team. So um, Azra has welcomed me into the Azra community, Azra family, many years ago. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm trying to highlight the importance, and it, this will be resonate resonated in my meeting of bringing folk together who are not necessarily all um, of the same training to really learn from each other and uh, move the specialty forward. Yeah, that's one of the highlights of what's been happening slowly over the course of the fall meetings, in particular, um, is a recognition not just verbally about the importance of all the multidisciplinary team members, um, advanced practice nursing, PMNR, uh, neurology, um, even even uh, beyond that into psychology and therapy and, um, and uh, acupuncture, but to actually put that into practice. And I, I can't say uh, more about our leadership's vision than to put a chair of a meeting uh, as a physiatrist, to really represent the importance of this multidisciplinary impact on pain medicine and the and the importance of um, everybody's voice to uh, the effective treatment of pain for people all over the country, all over the world, and and I think this is really important. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and I you know I, I owe this opportunity to uh, our current president David Provenzano, who who I, I did fellowship with years ago at Dartmouth, and um, he's always maintained a um, enlightened vision of where. He wants to go in his own professional career and uh, also with where he wants to take ASRA. Um, and so myself and next year's chair, we're both physiatrists. And he's always valued uh, the, um, the opportunity to work with people who can enrich his uh, vision and, and global uh, sort of treatment paradigm for, for pain. And we're trying to get away from talking in an echo chamber. We, you know, there's a lot of head nodding. Yep. Yep. We agree. We agree. And we want to make sure that we're talking to people come from different perspectives and say, Hey, maybe that's not the best way to handle this problem. Maybe there are alternative solutions. Maybe medication is not always the right solution that there's other therapies that are available that might be the best option. And this is going to translate uh, just sneak peek. This isn't about the meeting, but Throughout the organization, as we put together guidelines and we put together other things, uh, content that comes out of the society, that we are trying to incorporate voices from disciplines outside of pure anesthesia 
to make sure that the expression of pain management uh, represents all these voices and perspectives. And, and so you're going to see more and more stuff coming out of the society. There's a reason we changed the name of the society from purely just ASRA to ASRA pain medicine is to make sure that it was very clear right front and center that this is an important component of society and how we're moving, uh, moving forward. Yeah. Kudos to ASRA for that vision. Um, you know, the old adage that it takes a village is really, um, important in pain medicine, and, and actually one of the founders of, of multidisciplinary pain management, uh, John Benica, you know, he really founded that principle, and mm-hmm. I think it's 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 really come to light as as technology has advanced, and as we are learning more about the patient, uh, we're learning more about ourselves and what we can all do collectively. That it really matters to have a collaborative, cooperative effort to to get the best outcomes. So let's talk about this meeting. So first off, you really lucked out. You got a great location in New Orleans. Um, I did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this up on the stage. You know, historically, New Orleans has been a huge draw for people. And I'm going to sneak preview this for everybody uh, listening. If you aren't registered for this meeting, you better do so soon because I think the attendance is going to be off the charts. Um, and you know, things like the room are going to sell out quickly. Um, slots at workshops are going to sell out quickly. So I want to make sure that people know to get on and don't procrastinate this. You might miss some opportunities that are really important to you. So uh, so New Orleans, obviously a great city. November is a great time to be there. You know, usually it's not too hot. It's great to get around and stuff. But one of the things, just to point out to people, one of the biggest differences we made was we changed this to a two-day meeting. This is the first time we've done this. And this was, uh, so it's going to be Friday and Saturday are all the primary content. And the reason for this, I was in the board meetings when we talked about this. The reason for this is we want to include more people at the meeting. Um, People were finding it hard to get off of work through two days of the uh, weekdays, sometimes three days of the weekdays, and felt like it was too much of a sacrifice, particularly people in pain medicine, because they're often running their own clinics or they're in small groups, and the impact was too big. So we tried to condense the content and really focus on it and put it into a two-day meeting. I know that was hard on you, Alexios, but I feel like you did a great job. Thank you. You know, it, it certainly wasn't easy, but it, it, it reminded me um, as I'm taking time off of work, um, the importance of having succinct contact, having opportunities to, uh, to network, um, uh, to have um, uh, opportunities not only to network with your peers, but also to network with industry, um, and also to have a good time, you know, to socialize with the people that you work hard with. Um, and and uh, I think we really were able to manage that in two days of core content. Uh, and, and I think people will really be surprised at how well it's come together and how much they're going to learn just from two days. Yeah, I think we can all buckle down for two days and really invest into a, uh, a high quality uh, set of sessions like this. So I think it's going to be great. A um, couple things I want to emphasize to people is the registration. So I, I hinted at this earlier. Early bird registration deadline is coming up very soon, September 28th. There's a lot of cost savings if you register by September 28th, um, so it's important to do that. If you're a trainee and, and or if you have trainees, remind them that it's a significant discount to attend this meeting as a trainee, and this is an opportunity you should not give up. We've had um, an increasing number of trainees come to our meetings, and they are just blown away by the not only the content, but more than that, the networking opportunities, the opportunities to meet 
fellowship directors, which is if you're a resident looking for a fellowship, the home of the fellowship directors for pain management are at this meeting. And they have one of the best meet and greets that you can imagine at the meeting. Yeah, if I may add to that. Um, yeah, please. I, I started my um, my foray into Azra as a as a resident, um, and I, I felt very welcomed. And I thought it was a great opportunity, as you said, to meet people, but also to get engaged, get involved, be informed, um, volunteer. Uh, and you know, I know being a chair on one of the special interest groups in neuromodulation, we're always looking for for younger minds to come in and teach us, and we can teach them. And um, it's an opportunity to collaborate longitudinally and uh, create. Uh, and foster relationships um, over time. Yeah, I, I return to, um, you know, these Azure meetings um, over and over. Part of the draw for me is it's going back, like going to summer camp. It's going back, seeing my friends every uh, year or every six months. And uh, it feels like no time has passed as we reconnect and then learn from each other about what people mm -hmm. have been doing, both personally and professionally, and then maybe get inspired for your own career. Mm -hmm. um, with regards to the trainees, I want to really emphasize something called the resident section committee. These mm -hmm. guys are just so enthusiastic. They're, they have a lot of passion, a lot of uh, ideas, and, and they act on them. And if you want to get involved, that's a great place to start as a trainee is to go to. And it says resident section committee, but they actually include med students and fellows in that. So mm -hmm. people who want to get involved and they don't think that they have a place to have a voice in the society, that's a great place to get involved. The special interest groups are always looking for enthusiastic people. You know, your number one asset that you can bring is enthusiasm to those special interest groups. It's not. Yeah you know, huge research. I couldn't base. agree more. So I couldn't agree more. And, and in fact, uh, I want to emphasize that we, we reached out to that SIG and we listened to what they wanted to um, learn about. And I think that helped to craft some of the content for this meeting. Um, and I think it's an excellent conduit uh, for development of faculty, but also for research collaboration and uh, uh, to expand the sort of the clinical um, framework of where we were. Yeah. Most of my career's stemmed out of opportunities that have come out of coming to these meetings and meeting people and networking. And so I highly encourage that. So trainees register faculty, young faculty uh, register for the meeting and then, and then come and shake people's hands, come say hi to people, go to the sessions, go to the workshops. I want to jump in, give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about this meeting. So um, your focus on this meeting is precision medicine, precision pain medicine. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. So, what it means is that I think as a specialty um, and as a society, we need to do a better job for treating um, any individual patient. And uh, that means that we need to look at patients individually. And there's not going to be one uh, treatment that, that will help each patient to improve their pain and to improve their function. Um, so as we get into a movement where artificial intelligence and, and augmented reality and virtual reality and machine learning are becoming ever more prominent. And uh, there's a lot of, of uh, hubbub in the news, especially lately with, with some of the things going on in the United States. And they've just developed these new committees with uh, some of these high-powered uh, industry folk. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to remind ourselves that the technology is out there. Um, why not capitalize on how we can use this technology and the data sets that have been collected for many years now in advancing the way we treat pain. Um, so as a, I've been in, in pain medicine a long time, and, and it's always frustrating to me when 
um, you have a patient and the therapy seems to make sense, uh, meaning you're, you're, you're using a therapy that's based upon um, the patient's history and physical examination and their imaging and uh, your years in practice and the technology available, but it doesn't work. And uh, these patients often suffer in the sidelines without having improvement because the typical therapy or the tri typical treatment paradigm didn't fit their, their needs. So um, I, I'm looking at this opportunity as finding the right patient for the right treatment at the right time. And uh, why not harnessing that with the, the revolution and where we've come with uh, AI and VR and, and, and such? Yeah. So talk a little bit about some of these sessions here. I'm going to put this back up on the screen. Um, your keynote is on precision pain medicine, the future. Um, and, and you've got a PhD, um, as one of the highlighted speakers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, getting back to have looking at this from sort of a different lens on how we can broaden our perspective. Well, that really comes from hearing a different voice. We need different opinions, people who are engaged in the treatment of pain, but in, may not be in the treatment of, of a pain patient or a clinical um, encounter. So there are a lot of really smart people who are working in their own silos on things that would help the pain patient, whether it be interventional or uh, uh, medicinal therapeutics or uh, behavioral. Um, so what I've tried to do in this meeting, uh, akin to this interdisciplinary approach where we're all collaborating together, people from different disciplines, different trainings, different skill sets, um, is to have multiple plenary style lectures leading off a session to be to set a tone, to be thought provoking, um, to engender thought on how we can look beyond what we're doing currently. Yeah, and you mentioned the digital technology and virtual reality. Um, you have a session uh, in, on that first day on Friday um, regarding that. I'm, I'm fascinated by the value of virtual reality and chronic pain. I've read a little bit about it. I've seen a couple of things. And um, tell me where your, your thoughts are on that. I mean, is this just, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors? Or do you think this is actually like true cognitive behavioral therapy? Well, there, there are different applications. Uh, for instance, there are applications in the, in the pre-op or perioperative phase where um, some of the behavioral components of, of, of CBT and operant conditioning can change the amount of medication that's required for a patient to, re to recover. Um, and I'm certainly not an expert in these areas, but I'm hoping that if we get the right people together with the right spirit in mind of learning and listening, that we can figure out whether this is a viable option for our pain community and how to make it even better. Yeah. I mean, there's two sides to all these augmented realities and virtual reality tools is one from the patient side, but one from the provider side. I'm really fascinated by the provider side and how we can augment our skill set with technology, um, whether it's data science or these uh, augmented uh, uh, reality tools. But uh, I think we forget about the patient side that there's so many opportunities from their perspective, too. So I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to plan on attending that session. And, and as you said, the, the, the patient side is often overlooked because we forget that the, the patient's experience with pain is different each and every time. Um, yeah. and, and that will affect their outcome or their ability to, uh, to go in the right direction. 
Tell me what you see about neuromodulation coming around the pipeline. I feel like this, uh, it was the hot new thing about five to 10 years ago, but is it become mainstream or is there still a lot happening in neuromodulation? I think there's still a lot happening. And as you've seen over the last several years, several uh, treatment paradigms have, have become more, um, more studied and uh, have become more of mainstream thought. Um, I, and, and there is one company in particular that's actually using artificial intelligence type technology to, to predict, um, to target. And I think the, the ongoing collaboration of the clinical folk, the industry folk, uh, the research folk to come together and figure out, okay, you know, this company may have the market for this technology, but how can we learn from them and how can we evolve the science so that we have more patients who are doing better with neuromodulation therapies, um, uh, they're having longitudinal benefit in terms of their pain and their function. They're not having these devices taken out by somebody else um, mm -hmm. and that we're actually improving uh, their, their quality of life over time. Yeah, and then making sure we're measuring the correct outcomes is so important in this conversation and not looking at just short-term gains, but actually meaningful things from a patient's perspective because absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm really interested in the neuromodulation for peripheral nerves uh, as an acute pain physician. And so a lot of the science that's coming from the chronic pain world is now drifting over into transitional pain and, and acute pain as well. So um, I'm, it's for somebody who's an acute pain physician, primarily, I'm still interested in neuromodulation now, which I wouldn't, pay attention to that in the past. Well, and, and thank you. You bring up a great point. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we do have a, a section on transitional pain. Um, yeah. and, and I think one of the, one of the challenges in having a, a truncated meeting was trying to meet the needs of, of people interested in chronic pain and acute pain. Um, but that is one session that highlights the opportunity to um, have chronic pain technologies used in the acute or, or, or subacute setting. Uh, to limit opioids, to improve uh, function and movement after uh, surgery or, or, or procedures or, or medical illness. And, um, and I think that's going to be a great opportunity to, to come together, listen to where the science is at now, uh, look at some of the opportunity with, um, with augmented uh, and virtual reality and, and go beyond what we can offer patients. Yeah. And I think that the recognition that there's a gap of care that's been in our system for so long um, that needs addressing and potentially mm -hmm. concur change people's trajectory of mm -hmm. their um, outcomes after an acute pain episode, whether trauma or surgery. Um, I, I think that the emphasis and a recognition that that's uh, important is, is starting to spread everywhere now. Well, and, and to boot, I think it's really important to look at um, the macro level of where these patients are. So if, if you have a patient who is in pain um, and they, they end up on more medications or spend more time in the hospital, mm -hmm. uh, then that affects the system. It affects not only the, the local health system, but our, our health system, you know, the, the United States health system. So if we can figure out how to better manage their pain, get them out of the hospital, improve their function, we're going to reduce costs. We're going to reduce length of stay. We're going to reduce, you know, comorbid uh, um, issues like falling or cognitive issues from medication. So um, I, I'd like us to really think more broadly about how uh, focusing on what we do can really uh, broaden the experience, not only the patient, but of the health system. 
One of the things that we've done really good in the last few years is increase the amount of interactive experiences for the attendees um, and, and, and kind of getting away from just the podium talks in the traditional sense. The first one is the pro-con debates. These are always a riot. Um, the speakers generally tend to have fun with these a little bit, but somehow you manage to sneak in some education in the process, too, of having a good time ribbing on your opponent. Um, and I'm always excited to see these pro-con debates. Good. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important that you hinted at it, but people learn in different ways. Some people can sit mm -hmm. in, a, in a session, even though we all know when you're, when you're lecturing, when you're teaching, when I teach at Brown, you, you have to make it interactive because people will, will become disinterested or, or fall asleep. So, um, you got about 10 as, minutes. <laughs> uh, aside from, uh, from that, I think the, the, uh, the social aspect of having a pro-con debate and often assigning people who you know have a different uh, mindset to uh, yeah. the, the opposite side really really makes for a, a good time, but also uh, for everybody to think beyond where their comfort level is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also these Ask the Expert sessions. So the, again, more um, uh, interactivity. And one of the ones I wanted to highlight is the practice management one. And traditionally, this session has people spilling out of the room. Um, the, the biggest problem people are going to have at this time slot is that you've got just phenomenal options across the board uh, for what to do. But this practice management, for especially in chronic pain, is such an important part of your day-to-day -day life for chronic pain physicians. Um, that, that, that session is always kind of uh, very popular. Mm, yeah. And, and as you said, um, we had limited time, limited content. We tried not to split the audience. We'd really yeah. like to people to get what they need to get out of the meeting. Um, I, I think ASRA is, is composed of a, a number of people, whether they're from a hospital-based practice, a uh, community-based practice, a you know, academic or hybrid. Um, no matter what, the practice management isn't just for private practitioners. And I think everybody can learn uh, how, how to optimize the way they interact with their patients in the practice, with the health system, um, or, or the insurance company. Talk to me about the workshops a little bit, because uh, we want to make sure people don't miss out on some of these really great ones that you have put together. So the workshops, again, were designed to look at the, the latest technology uh, within you know, the, the confines of the, of the meeting um, using some of the, uh, the cadaver um, and the computational uh, models that we have, meaning the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the fake body or the anatomical the simulation. Um, simulation, thank you. Yeah, high fidelity um, and, sim. Yeah, right. Exactly, and, and I think that that in and of itself is is one of the ways that we're going to be educating a lot more in the future. Uh, but bringing experts in, so we have world experts who are moderating these these sessions. Um, we have uh, both full faculty and associate faculty bringing together different years of of experience and training. Um, these are uh, designed to really appeal to certain audiences. And what we've done this year is we've asked people uh, to to have some uh, pre read. And that way, they'll go into these sessions with a better framework and, and have better questions, more targeted questions about what they want to learn um, so that everybody can, can get more out of a workshop than having a, sort of a splintered group where there are a bunch of experts are over here and a bunch of newbies are over here. Mm -hmm. So let's all bring together our collective wisdom and learn together. Yeah, I've done a few workshops with pre-reading and the yield is always so much higher for myself, but also for everybody else there and actually for the instructors too, because mm -hmm. we know what everybody's baseline is 
and, and we can get to the more uh, meaty part of the conversations faster instead of having to start with the basics. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's, I mean, I'm just looking at the workshops and I don't do any, most of these procedures, but they sound like stuff I would want to go and attend because they look really cool and interesting. There's, there's a lot going on and I think there'll definitely be a, a appeal by a broad audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last things, any other uh, highlights or things that you want to emphasize during the meeting or remind people to make sure that they don't miss out on? Uh, so the, the, uh, the, the Bonica lecture, which is at the end of the, uh, of the meeting, uh, is going to be presented by um, a, uh, a very well-known scholar um, and uh, prize winner. And I think uh, some of the thoughts that went into him uh, earning the Nobel Prize are applicable to how we look at our practice, whether it be on the clinical side, on the translational side, or on the research side. Um, just evolving and pushing the envelope and persisting. And I think um, I'm, I'm hoping that that theme will resonate with the audience who goes. David Julius will be a great, uh, a great speaker. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and and um, to be perfectly clear to everybody, and and you guys have put together a really great program. Um, over and over, what we see people respond to that they came away with as the most valuable part of the meeting is actually what happens in the hallways, what happens at the networking events. So make sure you. Uh, don't skip out on those things. That's where the connections and the, the relationships and the friendships um, develop and, and, um, and build into the future for projects, job opportunities, uh, research studies, who knows what. Uh, part of it is that you don't know where it's going to lead. It's just the start of opportunities. So I highly encourage you to go to the exhibit halls, see people in the exhibit halls, go to the uh, networking events on Friday night and, and, and Saturday night. And then again, interact with people between sessions at coffee breaks and things like that in the hallways. Mm -hmm. The more you reach out to people, the more you'll get back from attending this meeting. And mm -hmm. one of the wonderful things about this society is everybody will reach back to you. If you reach mm -hmm. out, they will reach back to you. This is an extremely friendly and welcoming uh, group of people, including that super, super expert physician researcher who you've read their every paper and their textbook. Even they will say hi to you because the, the, the amount of ego is pretty low, actually, in this this bunch of people. So it's great to, to have this family of people to work with. I would agree. Um, if I just may, if I may make a, a, a couple of plugs here, um, yeah, please. You, you mentioned education and, and research, which are uh, two, two of the pillars of ASRA. Um, and even though the course is Friday and Saturday, there is a pre-course available, um, uh, the master education uh, class on Thursday. Yeah, I did want to mention course, that. Um, a half-day course. And the idea is to bring anybody who's interested in medical education, whether it be in a formal environment like a residency program or a fellowship or from teaching uh, students or, or somebody who's trying to enrich themselves. This is an opportunity to learn uh, together collaboratively from some of the experts in, in formal pain education um, in, a, in a small group session and uh, really advance and, and broaden the way they look at their own teaching, their own um, uh, style. And uh, I think it will, it will create a foundation for years to come uh, and broaden the appeal to, to larger audiences. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to highlight is that we are now incorporating uh, research abstracts into the main meeting. So we will be featuring highlighted abstracts for each session um, that 
that are consistent with the, the, the block or the theme that really um, highlight the, the great work that's going on in the pain community, um, uh, some of which is sponsored by ASRA, some of which is, is uh, uh, sponsored on, on, on itself. But just to, to um, applaud people's efforts, people who go out of their way nights and weekends to do research, um, who don't necessarily have dedicated time, um, to say thank you and give them an opportunity to present their work on a podium where, again, we can learn, we can collaborate, we can ask questions. Yeah, it's it's so rare and difficult for a junior faculty or a trainee even to be able to get up on a podium in an audience like this. I mean, it can Ooh. sometimes take seven, ten years before you have that opportunity of a lot of work. And we want to highlight these people early in their career, give them that sense of accomplishment, but also give them the start of a reputation that they can build upon and maybe somebody seeks them out for collaboration because they saw them on that podium. Um, you know, poster sessions are great. Moderated poster sessions are awesome. But, you know, having that opportunity to speak from the podium and really show off your work is, uh, is really an exceptional opportunity. I, I, I think that's awesome uh, to be able to highlight these folks like this. I'm looking forward to hearing from them. Yeah, it, it's always been really good. I'm I'm kind of blown away by what people can do so early in their career. It took me years before I had any kind of momentum. And so it's it's impressive uh, to see their work. And it also is an opportunity to highlight the support that ASRA gives through its grant funding uh, to early career researchers or advanced researchers. There's a lot of opportunity to engage with ASRA on the academic and research front that will really help. Um, to advance their career and their trajectory. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how many different things are available within the society, if you're a member, and you know things like the grants, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in certain grants are, are available um, mm -hmm. if people uh, apply for that. I mean, people, it's not like a $5,000 grant or $10,000 grant. We have some smaller ones too, but we have some big grants available if people really want, uh, you know, show the interest and the effort in our specialty to advance the science. Um, mm -hmm. Those are available. So mm -hmm. I encourage people to look at those opportunities at ASRA.com and you can find where the grant sections are. That's a good reminder for people. But we are big believers in education, in research, in, in clinical care, uh, and then also advocacy. And there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes to advocate for uh, our colleagues and their profession. So uh, all of that comes to together in the society and then a lot of it's being presented at the meeting. I know Dr. Provenzano is gonna talk about advocacy at the meeting too, because he's a big believer in the importance of us having a voice at things like the American Society of Anesthesiologists, but even at the American Medical Association, in the, in the RUC meetings where they talk about coding and CPT codes and billing codes and uh, RV reimbursements and stuff like that. So yeah, David's done a phenomenal job in advocating for us. And you'll see that we've positioned an AMA update uh, right at the start of the meeting. And uh, yeah. again, that shows the importance of, of we can do a great job clinically, um, but if we're not advocating for ourselves, our patients, our specialty, um, uh, and using things like uh, virtual reality, augmented you know, reality, things, technology that's available, why not harness that uh, so that we can advocate better for ourselves? And I'm going to wrap up with one last thing is that um, we value extremely the partnership that we have with industry. Um, you know, we, we bring them to the exhibit hall, we give them some opportunity for some interactive sessions and non-CME sessions. But more importantly, 
we like to know them as individuals, the people that are involved in these companies. We want to collaborate with them. We are strong believers that we advance the care of patients by getting clinicians, academics, industry, all working together to move in the same direction because our industry partners can spend a lot of resources and effort moving in the wrong direction if they don't have guidance from people who are at the ground level taking care of patients. And in academics, we often don't have the resources or the um, uh, the technical know-how to produce the equipment, the pharmaceuticals, the uh, techniques that our industry partners do. So these are these are not mutually exclusive things, and and we want to highlight the importance of that collaboration, both at the meeting, but also between meetings. There's always those kinds of relationships happening. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for mentioning so, that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so excited about this meeting, Alexios. Uh, you know, I, I love coming to the Azure meetings, both the spring and the fall. Um, and uh, I used to not come to the fall meetings, but I've just really been inspired by a lot of the people I've met there, and I get actually ideas for how to even translate into my own practice some certain ideas that are coming from a different perspective. So now I regularly come to the fall meeting as well. New Orleans is a fantastic place to be in November. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and I'm so looking forward to the meeting. If you guys haven't registered, go to azra.com slash pain, and you can see the register button. You can see the full program. You can see all the details. I didn't show you every speaker and every talk, but the whole program is there. You can look at it and see what you want. Sign up for the workshops. Register for your hotel space. That goes quickly, and and um, I think we're going to have just a just a gangbusters meeting at this uh, in New Orleans. So I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody. As and, am I. Thank you. Yeah, and the last thing is, if you're following on social media, for those of you guys interested, it's going to be hashtag Azra Fall 23, and we're there's already stuff coming out on uh, Twitter or X, I think. But then it's also going to be showing up on Facebook and LinkedIn, some of the other social media platforms. So if you just track that hashtag, you'll see all the content. And it's going to keep building as we get closer and closer to the meeting. It's a great way to kind of find out who's going to be at the meeting, what they're going to be talking about, maybe even start making relationships before you get there so that when you go and find them at the meeting, that connection has already started. And it's easier to say that first hello. So um I hope everybody comes up and says hi to me. I'm sure Alexios would be happy to say hi to people too when they, at the meeting. We love meeting new people. We love meeting our old friends. And uh, we hope you have a great time at the meeting. Thank you, everybody. And thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in New Orleans. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Alexios. Bye-bye.